Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for After Action Report number 12. Now, an After Action Report is the audio from the interviews that I do on my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. You can watch Cocktails in the War Room live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my Facebook page. But the interviews are also on my official YouTube channel. And if you go to mistresscarry.com, you can check out all 200 of them. Now this week on episode 200, one of the most requested guests in War Room history. And we did it in style. It was a pajama party. My guest Danielle Murr and I worked together at WAF for over a decade. And she is what they call a renaissance woman. She's an amazing chef. She runs her nonprofit, Blues Bridge, which helps to rescue animals in need. She's become quite the world traveler and a travel tour guide as well. And of course, she's pretty damn good on the radio too. So Danielle donned her hooded kitty pajamas and joined me in the war room for a drink to talk about the old times, talk about what she's doing now, we talked about what it's like to date in the public eye and so much more. I can't believe it's taken 200 episodes of Cocktails in the War Room to finally get her in there, but Danielle was worth the wait. If you want more details on Danielle, check the links in the show notes of this episode. You'll also find the link to watch the episode as well, in case you want to check out the pajamas. As I've been promising you... For a really long time, we're able to bring guests into the war room, and we do it from time to time. And since we started the war room, and since Mike Shu became my first guest in here, over and over again, people have said, we want this one person to be a guest on the show, and she was always getting up too early in the morning. And so we joked that we would have a pajama party, which is why I wore my Halloween glow-in-the-dark skeleton pajamas for her. It's taken me 200 episodes and I am finally able to say that I have got my guest, Danielle. Danielle, how are you? Friend, how are you? Oh my God, what is going on? Pure chaos. Same thing. That's all right. Can we not? Can we not? <laughs> She's over here. This is my life every day. 
So first of all, cat pajamas for you. You wore purple cat pajamas to our pajama party. Oh my God. Heim says hello. Carol says what's up. Christine says woohoo, number 200. Chris is joining us. Lisa's here. Joe, Jonathan, Melissa, Tracy. Penny's here. Marcy. You know what? Cheers to you, my darling. Cheers to 200 episodes of The War Room. Um, Normally, you can tell what I'm drinking by the glass. I busted out the good stuff tonight. (laughs) I feel bougie. I got a little bougie tonight because it's 200 episodes. It is. And you know what, Carrie? That's like, you should be so accomplished and proud of that because, you know, granted, you've had an amazing radio career, but to do 200 episodes of something like this and just have the following that you have is so unbelievably impressive. And like, kudos to you, girlfriend. Thank you. It, uh, well, look, we can go back to WAF going on. Oh, guys, if you hold on, Danielle can't see it. There was a typo on the screen. Typos on the show mean you have to drink a social because it's my screw up. So we can go all the way back to the end of WAF. You had already gone to WEEI and we're doing mornings down there. And when AAF went off the air, none of us knew what was going to happen. I know. None of us knew what was going to happen. And then right after COVID hit. Yeah. And now we're all locked in our houses. You were locked in the house doing radio remote. Yeah. Which was great, by the way. (laughs) Awesome. And you know what? It was easy to cut you off for one second. It was easy because like the first seven years of my career on the morning show, I worked in a different building for a good chunk of it. So I, Greg and I already had that kind of shorthand expectation rapport, you know, and then now we had the technology to actually have visible stuff, um, you know, with zoom going. So it it definitely made it easier, but yeah, being home was glorious. So you were doing Metro traffic at the beginning and you were doing that remote, which is why you weren't in the same studio. Then you got hired as part of the morning show. And when COVID hit the music industry, the radio industry was left scrambling and nobody knew what to do. And you remember Kaiser, who was our imaging guy at WAF. He was the one that, and I want to give him credit, he was the one that said, I know you've been posting a lot on social media, but maybe you should go like live on Instagram or live on Facebook or something and let everybody know how you're doing because it was like three weeks since we had gone off the air. Right. And I was like, all right, you know, I'll go live and see what happens and see if anybody shows up. And I was like, hey, I'm going to go get a cocktail, have it in my war room, join me at 8.30. This was not a planned thing to like start a video show, to bring guests in, to make my dog a freaking bougie co-host star with an attitude begging for cookies. This was not part of the plan. And I couldn't believe, say hi, Wednesday. Say hi. I I couldn't believe how many people wanted to join in. Yeah. And we had always gone Facebook Live, Instagram Live, all of that from the radio stations and all of that stuff. But it, it showed me that I wasn't the only one that was lost, that felt isolated, that was scared and uncertain about what the world was going to be like. It was changing every day. We're living in a time at that time when they were canceling St. Patrick's Day in Southie and Tom Brady was announcing that he was leaving. And everybody was like, are we even safe to leave the house? And so all of a sudden, and you had been to the house before, so it was like, oh yeah, anybody that had come to the house knew about the war room. Right. And now everybody knows about the war room. Because anybody that comes on the show now, they're like, oh, cocktails in the war room. And it's 
people think that this is where I do the podcast, but that's MCHQ. This is really where the bar is in the house, which is why it's echoey as hell in here. Yeah. Because like your house, like it's just your living room. It's like, right right Wednesday, say hi to Danielle. Hi, baby. How are you doing? She didn't want to wear her pajamas. I tried to put them on her and she was like, fuck you, ma. She's like, how about no? So, how about- <laughs> everybody knows what happened with me, obviously, that we had cocktails in the war room, and then we launched the podcast and the website, and then I got back on the radio at Westwood One and the Pike, and you have been all over the place doing so much stuff that you okay. ended up on country radio. Like, I know. tell everybody the story for anybody that hasn't been able to keep track of you and your adventures. So... We'll go back to like leaving, you know, EEI, like, you know, they moved Greg and I over, which, you know, if AAF hadn't gone away, I would have worked with Greg forever, as long as he would have had me, because we had great chemistry. I love doing the morning show with him, you know, as much as LB drove me nuts sometimes, you know, (laughs) he was great too. He says, hi, I talked to him earlier. He's doing great. Um, So, you know, it just sports wasn't my thing. Like I'm a sports fan and that I cheer for our local teams, but I don't want to talk about contracts. It just, it wasn't interesting to me. So it just, it felt as more and more time went on, I was just like, this isn't what I want to be doing. And I also felt like there were other people that would have stepped into that role and did a really good job that would have been into sports. Like Courtney, she's crushing it. She's doing great. And she's into sports. So I feel like that's a, a great fit for her because she also does really well with the other elements of the morning show. So for me, I was kind of like, all right, well, time for me to go try a few other things. And I had a few things in the back of my mind that I wanted to do. And then very quickly, I was like, eh. I don't think I actually want to flesh any of these things out. Like, obviously, I was really into plants during the pandemic. Brian and I were going to start a business, but the plant market became so saturated that it was just like you couldn't even compete, and it wasn't worth it. And Well, everybody was trying to find a job they could do from home. Exactly. Doing something that they love. So everybody started looking around going, Yeah, what can I do? I was like, can I start making my tomato sauce and, like, selling my homemade tomato sauce from my kitchen? I mean, if I could have started peddling kittens for profit, Bella, leave it. Um, <laughs> would have done. She's going. She she likes to steal the little cans of wet cat food. We call them snacky cans, and she'll take them into the other room and like crunch through the metal and eat the wet food. The so, cat eats through the cans. The dog. Oh, the, the dog. dog. Oh, 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 oh. I'm like no snacky cans for you. Um, so anyway, so I started doing a few different things, and and I was I really just kind of needed a break from everything, and I was very fortunate that I was financially secure that I could do that. Cause a lot of people can't just walk away from their job and be like, eh, I'm going to go try something new and take a break. Hey, look, um, when you and I talked, I was like, are you sure? Yeah. Cause, cause being out here without an anchor yeah. is stressful. And I was like, I'm already floating in this pool. I love right. you. Are you sure you right. want to jump in here with me? Right. And it worked out. Okay. And you know, I kind of took a break and I was able to like try different things. And I invested in a lot of personal development. I took a lot of different classes. Um, you know, the travel thing came up fairly quickly. So I had gone on a trip to Iceland last year with, um, I work with a company called Trova trip that basically runs trips for influencers and people that have a following. Um, they schedule all the itineraries and whatnot. And I was like, huh, I'm like, I have enough people that would want to travel with me that I could do this. So this year I had a trip to Italy. We did Rome and Tuscany and I had a trip to Iceland and I had two amazing groups of people. Like I cannot say enough about how amazing everyone was. And it was all listeners and a few friends of mine. So that's what I was going to ask you. So people can just buy into these trips and go with you and experience all of the stuff that they see you posting about on Instagram. Correct. 
Yeah. And it's great for solo travelers too, because a lot of people don't have either, you know, friends or the, the, you know, people that have the availability or their finances or whatever to travel with them. So, you know, my whole thing was like, I want to create a space that, that is, you feel comfortable in and be like, Hey, come with me. Even if you're alone, it's cool. Um, so I'm actually running a trip to the Amalfi coast in April. Hi, Tabby. Um, look at and- you. Hey, Tabby cat. Um, that's going to be like two thirds of the people from my Italy trip this year. And then like half of my Iceland trip is coming. So my two trips are merging and I'm like, wow, what a cool thing that these people had so much fun with me that now they want to come on another trip and I get to introduce them all together. (laughs) This is the greatest thing ever. It's this is, this is, oh, oh, we, oh, hold on. Wait a minute. Bella. Full top. There's nothing in it, but she brings over a full container. Wait, can you, before you talk about the Amalfi Coast some more, can you tell me how many mammals no. are running around your house right now? No, we don't disclose numbers. <laughs> we, I have three dogs and a, a mess of cats and some foster kittens. That's as much as I'll tell you. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's very busy. Very busy in here. I have one 18 and a half pound pug. And she's the biggest pain in my ass. Like right now, she just. Hey, get out. Come get over here. Come on. No resistance. Yeah. She's Anybody that's it. watching the show right now is like, this is insanity. This is, yeah. this is what's going on. Yeah. You've got cats and dogs and barking and Tupperware things. Oh, my big girl. Yeah. You need a bigger pug cam than what I have right now. Yeah. To... <laughs> yeah. Um, so So the travel thing was, was a ton of fun. Um, and I also got to do some leisure trips too. I went, um, I went to Mount Shasta in Northern California to do a night sky photography trip, um, with a guy by the name of Brad Goldpaint, who's an incredible photographer and he does workshops like all over the U S um, in dark sky locations and photography, you know, I mean, as you well know, the radio business, you can't always take vacation when you want for a variety of different reasons. So the schedule was a little restrictive. So now that I had this kind of open-ended path in front of me, I'm like, hmm, I should bang out these trips while I can, while I have the time and the availability in case, you know, I go back to a conventional job at some point or whatever. So I did that workshop. I'm actually going back to Iceland in March um, with a National Geographic photographer for 10 days to do night sky photography with um, the Northern Lights. So is it? So amazing. first of all, that's on my bucket list to see the Northern Lights because I've always yep. wanted to see them. Have you seen them yet? I have not because I haven't been there when it's been timely. Oh, okay. So I've only gone in the summer, which and I love, I love, I love Iceland so much. Well, I've seen you post about it a bunch and you rave about how amazing it is. How is the food? It's very good and very clean and very fresh. If you don't like fish and lamb, uh, it can be a little tricky. They do have vegetarian and vegan options, but you're mostly getting a lot of like dense, meaty white fish, um, you know, like your cods, kind of that type of fish. And I love that stuff. I eat, you know, mostly like fish and vegetables. So that works out beautifully for me. And they don't put any crap in their food. Like they don't process it. So everything is very clean. The people are super nice. There's no crap. Even if you're in Reykjavik when it's busy, there's really not like crowds um, per se. Bella. Oh, oh, we've got, oh, we got a, we got a box of croutons that we opened up. So now we're going to let her Wednesday, come over here. She's begging for cookies that don't exist right now. (laughs) The Tuesday night dog shit show. Hold up. Come here and get the ducking stingray. Come here. Oh, you're not going to have the croutons over here? That's great. Come on. Over here. 
Come anyway. get the ducking stingray. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, there's a whole glossary of terms here in the war room now because there's too many inside jokes for people. Right. So you need like a guide. Yeah, they're in the blog at mistresscarry.com. There's literally a yeah. whole glossary, and the ducking stingray is one of them. Love it. Hello, ducking stingray. So, you, <laughs> so you're going to the Amalfi Coast, and then where else are you going? Because I'm starting to think about wanting to go travel with Danielle now. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure yet. I'm putting that together. Like, Greece was a really popular option, but because we do, like, mostly island trips with this company, um, it it's hard for them to accommodate a lot of large groups because they just don't have the space, like the right. restaurants and things like that. Um, I was supposed to have a trip to Vietnam in December, but I wound up canceling that because it was a slow sign up and then the airfare started going bananas. Oh, I would yeah. like to do like a leisure trip to Bali. But again, you have to get people that are really, I mean, it's a haul, you know, it's going to take you a day plus to get over there. So you have to really have people that are committed to doing that. Um, so I'm kind of doing that for now. And then also like looking at, you know, I think I'll probably do another Italy trip in the fall because it's an easy sell. People want to go to Italy and it's a beautiful place. Exactly. I just want to eat and everything and drink all right. the wine. Yeah. And the woman that I'm working with, Federica, who was our guide on my first trip, is going to be guiding this next trip. And she's just been, she's been guiding for like, I don't know, 30 plus years. Um, and she knows all the people and the hot spots and, and she's just incredible. So I'm psyched to be working with her again. Um, so that's kind of, you know, where I am. And then as people are like, oh, I would like to do this. I, would, I might do a trip to Ireland because that seems to be pretty popular as well. And I've never been to Ireland. So I'm kind of excited about. And that's a pretty easy flight from the East Coast. Like depending yeah. on where you've got people coming from, it's like, exactly. you know, I have so many friends on the West Coast and they're like, what do you mean you've never been to Hawaii? Right. And I'm yeah, like, have you been to London? Because it's yeah. the same distance. Exactly. Right. And like the good thing is most of the people that are coming on my trips are either friends or listeners. So most people are coming from this area anyway. So it's easy right. because most of us fly together, which is great. Um, so anyway, so back in the spring, um, I got a phone call from Mary Mena, who runs Beasley Media. And she and I had, you know, kind of communicated back and forth very loosely over the years, like, hey, how are you? We should have lunch sometime. Um, and she said, I have a proposition for you. One of my hosts is going out on maternity leave. Um, I would like for you, if you're interested, to fill in for her. And it turned out that it was Ayla Brown, which was a very full circle moment for me because, of course, Ayla's dad, Scott, was on with, you know, on the Hillman Morning Show with Greg. Well, Ayla used to come and sing at Christmas time down at Ernie's place. Exactly. So it was like, wow, I'm like, this is kind of a weird full circle career moment. So I kind of hemmed and hawed and I'm like, mm, do I want to do this? Do I want to get back up at three o'clock in the morning? Do I want to get back? But I, I love doing radio. Like I love radio and I especially love morning radio. I love banter. I love, you know, firing things off with other people. I don't know like, how you get up that early in the morning. I really don't. Once I'm up, I'm up. Like I don't think I could ever do another day part if I went back to radio because I can't break up my day in the middle and I can't do traffic. So like the worst traffic I have now is coming home from Dorchester where I have to deal with like two exits on the expressway and I want to pull my hair out. Um, and we're moving the studios to Waltham. So that's going to suck going You would have hated my commute for 20 years. Oh, absolutely not. I, dude, I can barely get out to see you for like a visit, let alone a commute to work. Like, no. I'm like, People would always be like, why is Carrie so angry? And it's yeah, like, I'm like, I know why. Because she just sat in the car for 90 minutes. Yeah. And wants to Her kill everyone. And she was drinking a large iced coffee along the way. So not only is she hyper, but she has to pee and she's about to shit her pants. Exactly. Yeah. Good morning. Um, 
So yeah, so I was like, all right, I'm like, let me do this. And then of course, like, you know, when I, when I posted about it, everybody was psyched that, that I was going to be back on the radio. And then I get the natural subsequent question is, do you even listen to country? And I'm like, listen, just because all I ever post about is metal doesn't mean I don't like country because I do love country, but yeah. you know, I, for, you know, shows wise, I, I tend That's to where you and I are different is that you've always listened to everything. And for me, I was always like, yeah, not so much. Like, I mean, I go from metal to yacht rock to country to, you know, I mean, interpretive jazz. I don't know. Um, so I'm, I have a very eclectic taste, but, you know, I'm, I'm already tired for like what's coming up in two weeks, like between Seven Dust, Lamb of God and Kill Switch, Miss May I, like, like oh, so many shows coming up in like 10 days. I'm I like, know. oh my God, I need a nap already. Shine Down and, and Jelly Roll are going to be yep. at the Xfinity next Tuesday. Yep. Which is why the war room is yep. not going to be open for business next Tuesday because I'm going to be at Shine Down. Oh, yeah, that's probably inebriated. That's, that's all right though. It's part of the gig, you know. Yeah, well, that's yeah. why I work in the afternoons so that exactly. I don't have to get up early yeah. in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Which is a nice thing. So you're covering right now. Covering right now through like I think almost the end of October, wow. and it's been a blast. Like it's a very you know I mean I'm I'm coming from four hours of talk to a three and a half hour show with music, which is like kind of wild. And like, you know, the problem I'm running into is that we run out of time because I'm like, I have a lot more I could say on whatever topic we're talking about, but you know, we're up against the clock as they say, and we have to go to break. It is uh, weird doing radio with music because you never had to do it. And it's what I've always done. So I, yeah. other than doing like the war room where I am, if I don't have a guest, I'm just talking the whole time, but Right. I'm used to being able to incorporate the music into everything because I've always had it there. Yeah. For me, it's like, oh, oh, we only have three minutes to talk. That's weird. And, and I'm not used to having somebody to talk to. I know. Exactly. So it's like a very different thing. It's such a different dynamic. Jonathan, who hosts the show, also came from a talk background. So we, it's very easy for us to kind of like go down these little rabbit holes and Jim who produces is freaking amazing. He's been doing radio forever. Um, so it's, you know, for, for my re-entry back into things, I don't think I could have asked for a better scenario because it's just been like super fun and lighthearted and just really enjoyable. And like, you know, we talk about a ton of different stuff and it's just fun and funny and like, that's it. And I'm like, okay, you know, because at first I was on the fence. I was like, ah, do I really want to do this? But now that I'm into it and, and having so much fun, I'm glad that I did. And like, you know, people I haven't talked to in five, 10 years are coming out of the woodwork texting me like, hey, I hope this is still your number, but I caught you on Country 1025 the other day. You guys sound great. Love how the show sounds. Like you, you got a new fan, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, okay, good. Like, thanks for coming over, guys. But it's been, it's been great. And then you've been running your nonprofit at the same time because yeah. Blues Ridge is still open for business. Still very open for business as we have lots of everybody over here running around and doing, you know, kitten rescue and all the things. And it's just like, you know, I'm so thankful that I have amazing vet partners that like, you know, treat me so well and they get me in when I need something. Like I just had an, Bella, really? Um, I just had an emergency room visit. I'm like she's fully capable. The problem is there's a deli container upside down with croutons under it. So now she's dragging it across the floor to get to the croutons when she perfectly well could flip this thing over. Do you need assistance? Okay. Anyway, so, you know, thankfully, you know, I have that support in Blues Bridge and like everyone that donates is, is super generous, which is great. But it's like, man, I'm like, people don't realize, you know, people balk at things like a 
a three or $400 adoption fee for a kitten. And it's like, dude, I'm tanking out at like 700 bucks minimum between the vaccinations, the food, the litter, the testing, the blood work, the spays, the neuters, the microchips. Um, you know, it's all super expensive, but thankfully we've been able to continue to do a lot of really good work with it and help out, you know, a lot of animals that have been in need and place them in good homes. Uh, can we not do this? Excuse me for one second. I'm just going to flip this for her. This is the greatest thing ever. Oh my God. Oh, Matthew says big 200. Jen says, miss you, Danielle. Um, let's see. I love you guys. I miss you all so much. I know. So I have your handle there for everybody to be able to find you on Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. And I mean, it's not like you've, when people say, oh, I miss you, it's like, we haven't gone anywhere. Right. It's just, we're not in the same place. And like the biggest adjustment for me is that we all used to see each other so often that even yep. though we weren't on the same show, you and I in the hallway together, even when you guys moved to EEI, yeah. you and I would still see each other in the building all the time. Yeah. We'd have coffee and like be able to catch up and like be at shows together or whatever. And between COVID and just everything else that's happened, it's like, I mean, I work at the same radio station as Mike Shue, and right. we never see each other because we're either not working in the same building at the same time or our hours are just so different. And it's like, you know, everything just operates so differently. And it's like, you know, you said you talked to LB today, which makes me so happy because yeah. having him on the podcast, like people were so curious how he was doing and like legitimately concerned and there's yeah. so much love yeah. And that was one of the things that I think surprised me the most when the radio station was gone. Was it the same thing for you? Is that when you are off the radio, especially in the middle of a pandemic when everybody's so isolated, I was overwhelmed by the tidal wave of love and support that came my way. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Like, I got a lot of that. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when you have a job like like we did and still do, obviously, in different ways... Um, you get so used to it and you do it for so long that you kind of forget that life could exist without it. Right. And then you fear that it won't. Like, I was worried that my last name was from WAF. Like, hi, I'm Carrie from WAF. WAF, right. And that if from WAF wasn't there anymore, that... Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. And so then it's like, it's oh, it. wait, like everybody is still there and there's so much love. Like it was overwhelming and emotionally like it, it stopped me in my tracks at how much yeah. everybody was a part of everything that we had done over the years. Yeah. Like when I made the announcement that I was leaving EEI and, and, you know, I mean, it was by the time we kind of figured everything out and, and like got the timing done with my announcement and everything, like it was kind of right up against it. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, everyone's going to think I get fired because I'm announcing like two days before I leave. But it just, it just happened to be how everything worked out. And like, what I tell you, people came out of the woodwork with messages of the, just like, you know, like 15 years ago, I was going through a divorce and I wanted to harm myself. And like, you were the only thing that got me through or the morning show was the only thing that got me through. Or like, I saw you one time in an event. It just happened to be a country fest the other day. I saw this adorable girl, Megan, whom I saw, um, 
I met her five years ago at the Christmas broadcast at um, one of Ernie's dealerships. And her, she had a new baby at the time. And we took a picture together. And she, I was at Kenny Chesney um, at Gillette a couple of weeks ago. And she grabbed me in the parking lot. And she's like, oh, my God, Danielle, so good to see you, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I don't know if you remember me, but. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, how old is your kid now? And she's five. And she's showing me pictures. And I'm like getting choked up. And she sent me the original picture on Instagram. And I'm like, this is such an amazing moment that, like, this person came out to meet us and now I'm running into her in a parking lot five years later. And she's like giving me a hug. It's a lot going on in here. Uh, really ruining my moment. Thanks guys. But just, you know, to, to, because I think a lot of times what happens, especially in our industry is you forget that you're talking to people because you're just in a microphone. Uh, you're just in a room behind a microphone, either by yourself or with a few other people that you're having a conversation with. And you forget that thousands of people are hearing it. Um, which, which is a really weird thing to say yeah. that you forget people are listening when you're sitting in a room with a microphone on. Yeah. But like, I mean, how many times have we seen the news where somebody gets caught with a hot mic? Like yeah. it's saying something bad, obviously, yeah. because when you're around microphones every day, all day, after a while, you forget that they're there. It's like reality yeah. show people forgetting that the cameras are there. It does happen yeah. every after a while. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a, you know, it was a really amazing thing to have just so many random people reaching out with specific memories of the show over the years. And, and, you know, I mean, I still, I'll be out, I was out in Salem, I don't know, like a week ago and someone yelled to me like across Pickering Wharf and they're like, Danielle, what's up? Miss AF. And I'm like, me too, buddy. Me too. And just like those little things, it's just, you know, I mean, I joke that I hate people and I don't like small talk, which, you know, I don't like small talk. It's awkward for me. I appreciate um, you doing it with me tonight. Yeah. Well, that's just my anxiety. This, this <laughs> isn't small talk. This is, you know, you and I, we could talk for three hours and catch up about a bunch of bullshit. Um, but you know, when people come up and, and, you know, they'll just throw a little hello or they'll get, they'll be like, Hey, can we take a picture? Like that stuff means so much to me. It's like, dude, you know, I, I commuted to work with you in your car every day and, and I didn't even know it you know or helped you with something one day or answered a question or I chuckled and made you laugh like whatever it might be or I pissed you off who knows? like could be anything but just to know that we share so much of our lives with people every single day is such a special unique thing and and I feel so fortunate to have had a, a job that paid me to do that and people always wondered like was it was it real like was it as crazy behind the scenes like was all how much of it were we making up and it's like it's hard for people to kind of wrap their brains around the fact that like that's kind of how it was, it was. yeah 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 it would just be i mean you could go in with a whole day's stuff planned yeah. and yeah. something random would happen and everything would get thrown out the window because it and then it became fly by the seat of your pants radio. Right. Exactly. You know, well, I mean, you look at like the national tragedies that we've had, like nine oh. 11, you know, I mean, you were on the air for all of that, you know, the marathon bombings. Like I remember being at Greg's event at Capitol grill and like, we were, we had no idea what was going on and trying to call you for a live report from Huntington Ave. Like there's ambulances lined up. We have no idea what's happening. I just saw Carlos Arredondo. He's covered in blood. Like, you know, these things that have happened that, that we've been a part of like, people's memories of those incidents, like because they were tuned in, they attach our voices to that, which yeah. is such a real thing for me. That's these big historical moments, like somehow in some small way, we're attached to that in people's memories. It's like, yeah. And it's, and, and we forget that. And then when you have conversations with people and it happens all the time here in the war room 
It happens all the time on social media. I'll dig an old picture out or it'll be the anniversary and it shows up on people's timelines. Like, you know, Labor Day weekend, I left for Iraq in 06. I left for Afghanistan in 2011, both on Labor Day weekend. And now my feeds are flooded with these old memories. And it's like, I can't believe it was that long ago too. You know, it's wild. Like 16 years ago, I was in Iraq. What? I remember when you were like getting ready for that, like the the training that you would go through and the stuff that you had to wear to like make sure that you were ready to be over there. Like, like, and now it's, it's like so far in the rearview mirror, but still somehow fresh, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, no, it no? totally makes sense. Like I can still smell it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I can, I can still imagine, like, I know exactly like what the sun felt like and what it smelled like in Kabul. And it was 11 years ago. I crashed my motorcycle seven years ago this weekend. That was seven years ago. Yes. I know the nose held up through the reconstruction. Yeah. We got good docks in Boston. We're lucky that way. Very lucky. But it just, it blows my mind. Like when I go back through like the pictures, especially, you know, of like, like the concerts, the Halloween picture that I dug up that I was posting today of you and I at the Songus at the Halloween party with Sammy Hagar. I can't believe that was as long as ago as it was. I was like doing the math and I'm like, oh my, like and it's, you know, you think about touchstone things and I think about like who I was dating at the time, what my life was like, where I was living, what the situations surrounding my life were. And it's just like, shit. What? <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Christina says, weren't you on the air for 48 straight hours during a snowstorm? Yeah. Mike Shue, LB, he brought the deep fryer in and was making corn fryer, dogs. They smelled like corn dogs for a week and a half. I know. They were so good, though. We were so drunk at like three in the morning. Um, God, I can't get drunk at the radio station. Uh, Michelle wants to know, is it Michael... No, it's Michelle. How long ago was the bat on the helmet on your way to Laconia? That was... Oh, God. 2003 or 2004? I killed the bat with my head. head. Yeah, like uh, Keith says, excuse me while I squeeze in between you two on the couch, he says. Um, (laughs) Walter, get the blueberry cobbler bag of dicks. Yeah. So there's a lot of jokes about blueberry cobbler because of the Afghanistan trip, obviously. Um, yeah, it just, it's unbelievable. Like I try to go back and remember all of the stuff that we did. And it's like, I get paralyzed with the flood of like memories and dumb shit. I know. There was a lot of dumb shit. Which is why I love the confessions. The last night AAF was on the air because everybody was confessing to all the stuff they stole and all the rules they broke that they couldn't get in trouble for anymore. And I was like, I fucking knew you guys were all doing that shit. Okay. I was, it was so funny because like we were doing, I, I, I forget. I think it was like, was Greg doing his spiel? I don't remember who was talking. It was like later in the evening and I was shithoused shit host and I had a friend text me and she's like um you sound really drunk on the air and I was like oh, sh- oh I should probably rant. I'm like no it's the last night where everyone knows that everyone's hammered like it's yeah. not a secret and it was just like and like what a like what a ridiculous night that was like people that almost every person that I had ever worked with at AAF came through the hall. I mean, I think there maybe might've been like one or two people. And then I got to meet all the other people that I never worked with that were legacy people. And it was just like, 
such an amazing thing to see like all the souls that went into like forming such an amazing experience of, of just a radio station and, and a listenership and like, well, the DJs were the face of it. Right. And so just like with a band, it's the lead singer that everybody thinks of or whatever, but there were so many people behind the scenes that helped to make all of that stupid shit that we did possible whether it was the engineers trying to figure out how to rig microphones where we wanted to go or the promotions people that were scrambling to get t-shirts made or whatever for some ridiculous last minute idea that we had, or in some cases, the bosses holding the lawyers at bay so that we could get away with some of the stuff that we got away with. And that was why like, you know, the last couple of days we focused so much on being able to shine a light on all of those people And not to just make it about us, but to give all of those other people that helped to build that place the chance to talk about what it meant to be part of it and all the bands too. Yeah. It still comes up all the time with the interviews I do on the podcast about, um, you know, how instrumental WAF was in their career trajectory and the memories that they have. And it's like... Uh, yeah, Joe says you should write a book, a WAF memoir together. We would have to get like, like Bob and Zip, like we'd have to go all the way back. We'd have to get Greg and Liz Wilde and John Osterland. Like we would have to get everybody together to like chime in their parts of the story. Did you read Tommy Lee's book? What's that? Did you read Tommy Lee's book? No, I didn't. So if you read Tommy Lee's book, he's got different fonts. So Tommy Lee tells a story in his font. The person that was involved with the story tells the same story in their font. And then the third font is his penis's version of the story. Of course it is. (laughs) Come on. Did you see it? (laughs) Who didn't? It's hanging out on Twitter forever. (laughs) So we would have to write a book where like all of us got our own font because there's no way we all remember some of the stuff the same. No, definitely or, or at all, depending on who or you're talking all, exactly. to. Yeah. Right. Like, hey, bud, do you remember? Nope. Hines wants to know what your favorite AAF memory is. Oh, God. Can you even nail one? Because it's really hard no. for me to nail one down. No, I definitely can't. Um, and it's like everything, everything is such a, like, it's, there's so many specific moments that I can think of, but also in, in the same sense, it's kind of a blur. Because it's just like, there was just so much stuff that we did and we were involved in and, and between like charity events and concerts and in-studio things and just like, it's, I don't know, it's all like one big mush. Yeah. The, people will bring up specific incidents to me and they'll be like, hey, do you remember this? Or do you remember that? Or this Sometimes it takes other people yeah. reminding me of what we right. did and I'm like, As, am I losing it? Oh, yeah. or, but it was like right. being in the middle of an F5 tornado all the time. That there was just constantly stuff going on. Always. People running down the hall, yelling, screaming, get that person in here, sending somebody out to the store. I got woken up one morning. Yeah, where's LB? I got woken up by a text one morning by Mike Shue at like 6.30 in the morning. And it was no context, right? So obviously- Deadpan, dry as shit. And he's like, hey, do you have any flavored lube in your office? That's the text. That was normal. Totally normal. I was just like, oh, it must be Tuesday. And I was like, "Um, I think so. Like, 
then I was like afraid to ask what it was for. And they were doing some tasting thing with like Guy Fieri or something. Fieri. Yeah. They made spaz up strawberry lube grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah. Well, the lube came from my office, I think. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know, the, 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 the weird like little texty memory things and the questions about stuff and like, where did this come from? And like, you look at like all the searches that we had to do, like, you know, under the guise of show prep, like, I would, I would, re- and I brought this up on the air last week too. What are you doing? Show prep. Show prep. I'm like, do you know how much porn is in my show prep? Like, and like things that I'm like, uh, should I, like stuff even for legit stories that I'd be like, I don't know if I'm comfortable looking this up because I don't know what's going to come back. Look, the Pam don't. and Tommy video, when that leaked online, yeah, we were like, we're watching porn in the studio because we have to be able to talk about it. Exactly. It's work. It's work. But I would routinely follow up a Google search for something like really inappropriate with, I'm doing this because it's in the news and I work for a radio station. So if they ever had to populate my searches, it would be like, oh, okay, now we get it. Now we're all getting arrested. If they populated all of our searches, we're all getting arrested. It's like, hey, you can't do that. I'm like, mm, like any, like, you know, God bless Sid, one of our engineers, like anytime he'd be like, my laptop died, I need a new one, please don't look at the search history. And he'd just be like, it's okay, I know. Yeah. It's, this is what we do. I guarantee you that we were the ones they expected that from, but I guarantee you that the other radio stations were looking at the same shit. It was oh, just yeah, expected absolutely. from us. Right. Yeah. Like meanwhile, you know, RKO is banging out some weird stuff down the hall. It's like, what's what? Jeff you- says Danielle's LB spoof, baby. It's cold outside. Classic. Um, I had so much fun with see. that. Aunt Kathy says Kathy. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, this is sisterhood. Sisterhood in the war room. Uh, exactly that. I mean, there's no way you could go through all the years and all the stuff that we did, the highs and the lows, and not feel like family. And even when yeah. you weren't getting along, even when you were working yeah. with people that would piss you off, it was always one of those things. Like, look, I'm really mad at my brother right now, but only right. I get to motherfuck him. And if you motherfuck yeah. him, I'm going to punch you in right. the parking lot. Right. Well, that was such a big dynamic with me and LB because he and I would bicker constantly on the air and people would be like, oh, you fucking bitch, you know, fucking you're shitting on LB. And I'm like, dude, like we're literally looking at each other and laughing while we're doing this, like un- under our breath, like calm down. Or like, you know, we, I, you know, Greg and I would make fun of each other for our weight or something like that. And they'd be like, you know, someone would target me and be like, oh, you fat bitch. And I'm like, that's not how this works. Like, you made fun of Hillman. I'm like, yeah, because he and I have that kind of relationship, but I can yeah. poke fun at him. We're actually friends. I don't know you. Yeah. Random guy from Nashua. You know, it's just like, you know, so you had so much of that random stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, like, it was funny because I was thinking about this the other day. The most common question I used to get asked was, is Spaz really that much of an idiot? Yes. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Uh, unequivocally. But he's a good dude and I love him. Um, but now it's people are like, how's LB? And I'm like, honestly, he's doing great. I know. Like every time I talk to him, he sounds great. He's feeling better. He's, he's crushing it. He's, he's just, he's in such a much better place than he was when the station went away. So, and people love to hear that because, you know, I was, when, when he had his walk off moment on the air with Shu, I was getting my nails done and my phone starts blowing up and everybody's like, are you listening? And I'm like, I don't know, it's the middle of the afternoon. Like I'm in a nail appointment. Why? What's going on? So like, what's what happened with LB? And I'm like, did he die? Like, you know, freaking out. Like he just walked off the air with shoe. And I'm like, here we go. What's going on with LB? And he's like, he just walked out of this. Yeah. Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah. I just walked out of the studio. I, I have no idea. I'm like, 
Okay. I was in my office and I saw him walk out the door and I had the radio on and I was like, does she need me to come in there? Like, what is going on? Like, do you need me to come in? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But it is like Penny says, you guys are like siblings. It's exactly what we were. Like, and LB and I like had a really candid conversation. He came on the podcast a while ago and- you know, we talked about stuff and I was like, you know, I, I was like, look, it it was hard for people like Mike Shu and I who were expected to like go to all of the shows, to take on all the responsibilities, to be sober yeah. and responsible. And like, yeah. while, you know, that sounds like, oh yeah, that's tough. Like, you know, but, we were but. always on call in case LB didn't show up for something. It was like, oh, make Carrie go and do it. Right. So you always had to be ready. Yeah. And, you know, do our own job and do our own stuff. And there was animosity there. And like LB and I had a really great frank conversation about it. And he was legitimately like, I'm really sorry that, you know, same thing. I I had a great conversation with Kevin Barbary too on the podcast, just about both of our perceptions about when he left the station and like what it was like for the people that were left behind. And like, yeah. You know, it, it that was always really hard. Kev. Kev's such a talented individual, oh. and like he 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 imparted so much color into the show by way of voices, bits, and just as I mean, Kevin's one of the funniest people and most talented people I have ever met in my life to this day. Yeah. So like, not you know, people and and everyone you know, of course, had their assumptions about this and that. And it's like, dude, like that was a big deal for us to not have him. You know, and I think people always assume like, oh, someone goes by the wayside, everybody's fine with it. And it's like, just because you don't go into it on the air or on social media doesn't mean you're not grieving the loss of like your friend being there every day working with you, you know? And sometimes you're being told, look, just don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. You can't, you don't have a choice. And you're under contract and you're not allowed. And it's like, okay, so am I going to follow this person out the door and lose my job too? Like, what am I supposed to do? Right. And be in breach of contract. Right, which means that they can come back and financially make you suffer if they wanted to. So it just, there was always that behind the scenes stuff too that people didn't understand. And it's like, you know, you want to share as much of it as you can, but, and you don't want to lie. You want to be candid because that's the whole point is to be honest about everything. But at the same time, sometimes, you just but like can't. you look at other people's jobs, like not everybody can talk about what's going on behind the scenes at their job. It's just not interesting because it's not public. So no one's asking them. Right. You know, when things change, you know, in a, a job that's very front facing and public facing, it's like, okay, well, people want answers. And, you know, when when things happen in your life and the lives of people around you, people are like, how come you haven't tweeted about this? Why haven't you posted about this? It's like, just because I don't share something on social media doesn't mean that I'm not feeling anything about it. You know? Well, not only that, but but people's perception is that it only affects you. Oh, look at the kitten. And it's like everybody forgets that there's families attached to each one of us. We signed up to be behind the microphone. Our families didn't. No. So when you really do start talking about, you know, money stuff, family stuff, embarrassing stuff, ex-girlfriends, ex-husbands, like all of that kind of stuff, it affects more people than just you. Right. And like, that was always something, you know, you know me that I was never, I never really, you know, we joked about a couple of references here and there over the years, but like, I never was public about my relationships. And, you know, it, I feel like there definitely was a difference in the way the audience would sometimes treat the guys, you know, talking about their wives versus me with whoever I was dating at the time. And I'm just like, you know, 
I'm not, like you just said, I signed up for this job. My significant other didn't. And like, I'm still to this day, you know, even though I'm not doing it full time, I'm like, you know, if I'm talking to somebody, I'm like, I'm not going to share you on social media unless it's like, you're really cool with it and we're really into it. And I'm not tagging you because as much as, you know, most of the people that we have in our circle that, that, that love us are so great and they're super respectful. But there's always but one. There's always one or two that have a boundary issue that are going to be like, I'm going to find out everything about this guy that Danielle's dating. And like the last couple of guys that I dated had serious relationships with had kids and I'm hyper protective about that kind of stuff. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not putting it out there. And it sucks that, you know, you want to share your life. You want to share those little intimate things and be like, Oh, I'm dating a new person or I met somebody or I'm in a relationship or I'm engaged or married, like whatever it might be for your specific situation. But there's always a couple of people that just ruin it for everybody where you're like, I have to put this really protective high wall around me and not talk about this. Well, that was something that you and I always understood because none of the guys did is that right. you and I both tried dating while working at WAF, which is no. not no. easy. Where the guys, no big deal. No, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Dated, no broke up, married, divorced. Yeah. Like it didn't Great. matter. But you and I would sit there and commiserate like in one of the studios and be like, we're never, ever going to find anyone that can love us enough to handle this mess. I have an ex from 15 years ago that will still periodically text about something I say on the radio. I'm like, but it's not about you. I'm not. I love you to death. I talk to you once a year. None of this is about you. Not literally none of this. He's like, oh, what did you mean by that? I'm like, nothing. Not you, nothing. Melissa said, people feel like they're extended family to you guys and they're invested in what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's, and that's what we want. But let me tell you, guys have a hard time taking all of this on because they all of a sudden get all, and then they're at work and then guys that they work with are asking them about stuff and bringing up stuff that we've said on the radio 10 years before we even met them. Right. And it's like, oh, fuck. That's right. When I got married, I looked at my husband and I was like, okay, you sure you want all this, babe? FYI, honey. And I joke with him that because he's a country music fan, like he's probably going to be stalking you more than he cares about the interviews and stuff that I'm doing. (laughs) Because he'll probably want to talk about the music with you, but with me, it was like. Yeah. I had to find was, somebody from out of state that was a country music yeah. fan. Yeah. So, so that there was like no connection to any of anything that you did. Yeah. Like at the beginning of the pandemic, I had an almost year long relationship um, and it didn't work out for, for various life reasons, but we're still friends and it was very amicable and he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. I can't say enough about him, but I'm like, you have no frame of reference to experience like what it's like to be out with me and like go to events where people recognize me. And it was just, it was a very, it was nice because it was perfect for the pandemic. We lived close. We got along really well. And it was just, it was like the perfect thing for like 2020 to 2021. But I'm like, you've never, and he would ask me periodically, he'd be like, do you get recognized? And I'm like, yeah, but because everything's shut down, you're never going to see it. And it's just a whole different thing when like, you know, you're at a show, like I'm at the Palladium and I'm up at one of the, you know, John Peters puts me in one of the stage boxes on the right or the left. Yeah, so like, you don't get yeah, squashed. Yeah, I'm like, hi. 
this is this is what it's like. I'm but so glad that you were always there for me to be able to relate to when it came to this stuff. Oh, yeah. Because trying to talk to like Shu or Greg or LB or Kevin or any of the guys about this kind of stuff, they'd be like, Oh, tough life. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, I'm never going to find a guy that loves me. No, never. Didn't you and I at and one point, where we were. Line, the text line would tell you that too. Yeah. Tell this barren bitch to shut up. I'm like, Google I think you and I one night had a drunken conversation. We were like, if we both turn 50 and nobody loves us, we'll buy a house together. Hey, I'm, I'm five years away from that. I might still be on that plan with one of my friends. Jury's <laughs> <Sure> out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that you joined me on my 200th episode. It was so I good know. to see you. Same. In our PJs. I know, my little cat. And purple for you. Well, if anybody's looking for you, if they want to help you rescue animals, if they want to circumvent the globe with you, if they want to listen to you on the radio, all your social media handles are at Danielle Murr, right? So they can find you everywhere. Pretty much. Like Danielle Murr or Danielle Dot Murr. So yeah. you can find me that way. But yeah. Well. Here I am. Can you like come in the war room for real next time? Absolutely. So we can so we can get drunk and like be irresponsible together when you don't have to get up at 3.30 in the morning? Twist my arm, bitch. <laughs> All right, I know you got to get up. You already got your PJs on. I do too, so I'm going to yeah. let you go to bed. Love I you. kept Thank you way longer than I promised I would. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm so honored that I got to be here for the 200th episode. And to everyone out there, I love you guys and I miss you so much. Whether you're listening to me now or you're dropped off or like whatever the thing is, like I, I love hearing from you guys and like seeing all these beautiful comments and memories that you have. And like, trust me, like every single one of you, it sounds so cliche, but you all mean so much to me because I would never have had a career if it weren't for people loving me the way that you guys did. And I know Carrie feels the same way. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Well, go to bed. I will. I finished my champagne and now I have to finish the show. All right. I'm going to finish my Paloma. I'll put your, yeah, be a bougie bitch. Put your pinky up. Classy bitch. <laughs> all right. Good night. We love you. Love Wednesday. You. Say, you say good night to, come here. Say good night to Danielle. Say good night. All right. That's it. She's done. She's had enough of you. She's like, where am I cooking? <laughs> all right. I'll talk to you soon. I love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Wait, where, how do I, how do I do this? Where? Where did she go? There she is, the one and only Danielle Murr. And uh, it took 200 episodes, but we finally got her on Cocktails in the War Room. I hope it doesn't take 200 more episodes to actually get her into the War Room so we can have a cocktail in person. Don't forget to join me every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern, live on my Facebook page for Cocktails in the War Room. And if you want more details on the show, you can go to mistresscarry.com. And by the way, all 200 episodes are there as well. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. This week, episode 118 features James Labrie from Dream Theater. Plus, every weekday, you get the sit rep. The Situation Report runs down all of your rock news, music headlines, entertainment industry info, and so much more. And it happens in five minutes. 
And you can find all the details on that and more at mistresscarry.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.